Welcome to the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. My name is Dan Claps, founder and CEO of Franchise Playbook, a franchisor platform where we create, own, and operate dynamic franchise brands in the mobile services space. My life's goal is to help people just like you fire their boss and become a business owner. And I'm Christian Dadalak, top franchise consultant and co-founder of Real Franchising, a leading franchise consulting firm. And together, we're on a mission to help people fire their boss, hire themselves, and live the American dream through franchise ownership. Welcome to a solo episode of the I Fired My Boss podcast with your co-host, Dan Claps, CEO of Oda Cleaning and Restoration. I wanted to take some time on this shorter episode to talk about the five things that you should think about when investing in a franchise business, and really any business at all, what you should be looking at when you're evaluating options. And over my 10 years in franchising, I've learned that really every person, when they go through the process of learning to buy a franchise, they all have the same thought process, usually, in the same order. And I feel like if you can find these things out sooner than later, uh, it can cut down a lot of time spent learning about brands and then maybe further along not realizing they're missing some of the box. You know, some of the, the boxes aren't checked. You know, you want to find a brand obviously that checks all the boxes. And so um, it, it, what we've done is we've really created a playbook around what we look for in franchise brands and franchise playbook when we acquire a franchise and you know what we did with Voda and, and will do in the future. And really, that playbook centers around uh, myself understanding what it's like to be a franchise buyer and having worked with thousands of franchise buyers in my 10 years, I know what people need, uh, what they know they need. I know what people think they need. I know what people uh, need, but they don't realize they need right until later. And so what we did when we designed our brand was we set everything up from the start. And so there's plenty of great brands out there that also do that. And so let's talk about the five things that you should think about when you're investing in a brand. So number one, customers, right? There's a great saying, sales cures all revenue. If your revenue is coming in, if you're selling, you know, and you're making pro- revenue, a lot of things work themselves out, right? And so, you know, that that idea that sales cures all is so, so true. I'd rather take a business that's bringing in lots of money, maybe it's a little stressful or, you know, less organized in the beginning, but the money's coming in, then, you know, everything else is dialed in, but there's no money. And so number one is, you know, how are you going to find customers in business in a predictable, scalable, automated way, you know, to a degree, you know, in any market, no matter what, how are you going to find customers? And the, the caveat for the, the second part of that question is, how is the franchise going to help you with that? Right. And so how am I going to find customers and, and franchise or how will you support me in that journey of finding customers? Finding, finding leads, finding customers. And so, you know, you really, you know, this day and age, you know, especially in, in home services, what you're seeing is, you know, the, the bar has been raised in the home services industry overall for franchisors. And so what you really should find is a, is a franchise that's providing the lead generation, you know, everything related to pay-per-click and Google and Facebook and SEO and everything related to making, you know, helping make the phone rings on the digital side, in my opinion, should be covered by the franchisor. And secondarily, you know, um, it, you know, you really need a call center. Most businesses, I think it's important that a franchisor has invested into setting up a call center to answer the phone calls that come in. 
Um, it's a heck of a lot easier to use a call center that the franchise or corporate is doing than to do it on your own. And so number one is customer acquisition, you know, predictable way of finding customers. How is the franchise going to support you in that? What type of salespeople are you going to need to hire or are you going to be the salesperson? Number two is really centers around uh, how are you going to service those customers? Right. And so the first question is, how are you going to find customers? Once you have them, how are you going to service them? How are you going to provide the product or, you know, the service to them? And you need employees. Right. And so question number two centers around how are you going to find employees in a predictable way, scalable way in any market? And how is the franchise going to help you support you in doing that? And so, you know, it really depends on the model. Some, some businesses are less employee dependent. Some need less skilled labor or more skilled labor. You need to think about, you know, that. And then are you comfortable managing blue collar businesses, for example, if you're on home services or if you're in fitness, are you okay with, you know, managing fitness type employees or restaurants? You're going to be dealing with teenagers sometimes, right? Like, you know, what is the type of employee you're going to be dealing with? And are you okay managing that? Or does the model support a way where you can, you can hire a general manager that's managing them and you're more of the managing the manager. But at the end of the day, still, you're going to have to be able to, manage employees and you know, deal with employees. And so does that business fit the kind of people you want to work with? I think that's that's very important because all managing does not necessarily translate to each industry, right? It's different types of personalities and backgrounds that you're managing. And so how is the franchise we're going to support you in hiring people? It's a really important other question. The third question you need to think about is the unique selling proposition. Right? What's the unique selling proposition of this business versus the others? What's the one thing that stands out? Right? And, and when I say what stands out, and I don't mean as a franchise offering, that's important too. But you need to really think about what stands out in the customer's eyes, right? What is the customer going to know? The one thing that's different or unique? What's the unique selling proposition of that business that the customer is going to think? Hey, you know what? I think of when I need, you know, my windows cleaned, I, I call this brand or I need, you know, uh, boutique fitness workout, I go to this this place. You know, what's the unique selling proposition? Because chances are most franchises, there's already going to be businesses in your market. And if there isn't, there will be. If it's a new industry, there will be competitors. There's always competition in business. And so you need to think about, you know, what is my competitor, uh, lands- what's a competitive landscape look like? And how does this business stand out in the minds and hearts of, of the consumer? Um, the fourth thing you need to think about is, you really need to think about, uh, obviously, the numbers, right? Numbers are so important. But in my opinion, the reason I put them as number four is most great brands should have strong unit economics, right? But you want to think about the numbers. What's the top line numbers look like? What does the revenue look like? When, you know, below the revenue, what's the gross profit margin? And what's the net margin? And remember, when you're comparing brands, don't compare things apples to oranges. Like you've got to compare things relative to each other. Right. So to give you an example, some of you will say, well, well, this brand has, you know, 60% margin and the other one has 20. No, no, no. Let's be clear. You may be confusing gross profit margin, which is after cost of goods. It's not after all operating expenses, not really your margin with net margin, which is what actually goes to the bottom line you take home. Right. You know, so all that matters is the number that you take home to your, your house, right? Your, your profit, your net profit margin. Some people call it EBITDA. Some people call it seller's discretionary owners if it's a resale. Uh, owner benefit. There's a million ways to think of it. But, you know, you want to look at what's the actual bottom line after royalties, after managers are paid, after all the expenses. 
You want to look at the true bottom line of the business. And in those unit economics, you really need to look at revenue, how it works in territories. And one of my most important pieces of advice when it comes to looking at unit economics of franchise brands is you need to look at the industry itself. If I was looking at you know an industry and the average unit volume of that industry was substantially lower than this one franchise business, I would want to question why. Right? Maybe they do have some very unique selling proposition on why their business is doing five times what the normal business does. But in my opinion, it's much better when you look at an industry where there's a proven track record of that industry, whether it's a franchise or not, having strong unit economics that work well. So investigate the market itself, the unit economics of that industry. And then number five, you want to think about what is the day in the life of a franchise owner and does that match me? I'll never forget there was a time where I was close to buying a gym uh, franchise back in right before COVID. And I, quite frankly, I, I really am glad I did make the investment because COVID hit two months later. We were going into the business. It was a turnaround opportunity. They were not doing well at lead generation, and that's my skill set. And so what they teach you when you're making acquisitions is you're not, I'm never going to acquire a brand that's killing it in the area that I'm good at, right? I'm going to find a brand that or a business that's not doing well in an area that I'm great at in a resale situation and come in and turn it around. So we were looking at doing a turnaround, and the business was losing money. It was losing uh, you know, eight or nine grand a month, but we felt confident we could turn it around. Glad we didn't because COVID hit a month later and it would have been uh, a nightmare. But that's not the point of this. The point is around question number five, what's the day in the life? And like, who is the average? What's the average franchise owner like, even just from a cultural standpoint? You know, so to give you an example, in this particular brand, I really loved the way it was sales driven. They did something. It's a great brand. I'm not putting it down. It's a great brand. They did something really special, which was, uh, and really what hooked me was they said, look, the, the the gym market is saturated. There's only a small percentage of people that actually go to the gym and it's very crowded. And so you're fighting tooth and nail with every other gym to get the bit of people that go to the gym in, you know, in the American population. And this business, they went after people who wanted to get into shape, people that were overweight or older or hurt. It was a 10-week program to get in shape. And so they were competing with not the other gyms. They were competing with you know the couch. And potato chips, right? They were competing with the person themselves, not other gyms. And I really liked that. I really liked the idea of you know taking someone from really unhappy to happy. That's always inspired me, right? Inspiring some type of life change. So I liked the business. I thought it was very sales driven. I thought I could build some great marketing and everything. It was checking a lot of the boxes. And I'll never forget, you know, I made sure I went to the discovery day in person, which I highly recommend you do when you're far along. I was just about ready to buy it. Went to the discovery day. And the thing that I hadn't thought about then was I didn't think about the culture. I felt I really got along with the corporate culture. But when I was there, you know, my background uh, is, is in business and in, uh, I'm, I'm a certain type of personality. And at this particular franchise, and this is not to put it down, but in this particular franchise, every other candidate there was either a teacher, a, you know, a teacher, um, a police officer or a nurse or, or a customer of that of that gym. And I felt like I was just, I stood out like a sore thumb and I didn't make sense in the franchise. And not only was at that discovery, as I investigated further in validation, I really was very unique to the mom. Maybe it would have worked out, but for me, I didn't want to go. Part of the thing investing in a franchise is I didn't want to go to the conference. I felt like I didn't 
belong. I wanted the place where I felt like I was, you know, one of them, right? And you know, was was a was was a, you know, this is saying people like us, right? You, I wanted people like myself, and so I ended up not going with that brand. But I learned that that lesson. The other thing I like to point out when you're looking at a business is, you know, validation shouldn't be all rainbows and butterflies. If a franchise, everyone in the brand, everything's good, nothing's wrong. Like I would run away from that. That seems odd. Something is wrong. If it's good, too good to be true, you know, it probably is, right? There should. It's a business model. And you're going to have different types of personalities and backgrounds and pedigrees of people that get into a franchise. And so you want to look at the good, the bad, the ugly when you're talking with franchise owners. But one of the things I encourage you to think about is why is the top producing franchise owner the top producer, right? Because you, And then think about do you share those key characteristics that you would also be a top producer or if someone's not doing well, are they lacking some type of key characteristic that maybe you have? So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Not everyone is going to succeed. But what I would tell you is um, a, a great story is when I joined my first franchise, you know, Murphy Business and Financial, it's a great franchise. There's, you know, at that time, over 300 locations. And all I heard was that one franchise owner was a seven-figure owner in that franchise, you know, um, in in Florida. And all I clung to was that. And I thought, if he could do it, I could do it, right? It, it, and it's a good mentality to have. Um, but I'm a big believer in swimming downstream, not upstream. Meaning, just because you could work your butt off doesn't mean you're working smart. You're working in an, an industry that... You know, doesn't doesn't make you a lot of money, or just because other people are successful in it, doesn't mean that it's it's for you. Um, and so, you know, for me, I just clung to the idea that this particular business broker was making you know seven figures, and I was young and aggressive and, and hungry. I was in my early twenties, and I had a great regional uh, director in the in that franchise that could be my seasoned kind of you know the the guidance. Right, I would go to listings and I'd say, look, I'm the aggressive killer that's going to go out there and find you a buyer for your business and do what it takes. And then, you know, it's my regional who's been doing this for 30 years. And he's like the, you know, the experience, right? We worked really great together. I do the same thing at home services. If I'm selling anything, I bring a technical, you know, person that's the, the technical person. But what I'll tell you is what I learned in that experience was I didn't end up doing as well as I thought I would. I did okay, but not like that other broker. But see, here's the thing. His market had a very specific thing that mine didn't. And granted, I don't like when people say, you don't know my market, it's different. That's that's a common head trash in franchising as a franchisee. But in this particular specific example, that market in Florida, business brokers do what's called co-brokering. So they list the business and then other business brokers bring them buyers, right? In the state of New Jersey at the time where I was, for whatever reason, that never happens. There is no business brokering, uh, co-brokering. Meaning, I would see a listing online that was a great buy for my client, and I would call the broker and I'd say, "Hey, I got a great buyer," and they would say in New Jersey, "Nah, I don't co-broker. I'm going to wait until I find a buyer myself because they want the whole commission." And I used to get really frustrated, and quite frankly, I'd, sometimes I'd even reach out to the seller if I could because I thought it was ridiculous that they wouldn't sell the business. That's your you know, fiduciary responsibility to sell the business. And they're not because they want to make double the commission or not make half a commission. I thought they should put the, the business owner first. But either way, that was common practice in New Jersey. And so I was only able to sell my listings, not other listings. Whereas in Florida, he had the ability to to leverage, you know, those 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 co-broker situations. He also had a giant book of business from his business previously that I didn't think about. 
you know, I was swimming upstream because I was a you know, young kid with less experience in a consulting world. Didn't make any sense. And the lesson I learned from that was, you know, I want to be in a business where I am. In all the ways, I want to be the big fish in a small pond, right? I want to be the person that, you know, stands out in a market. You know, and so for for me, uh, finding a business where the people are similar to me, the people that are doing well are similar to me, the culture is similar to me, the leadership team is similar to me, um, uh, is so important. Is is you know is that culture being the same? So let's recap these. Number one, lead generation. That's that's the first thing. How are you going to find customers? How's the franchise going to help you? Two, how are you going to find employees? Is that an employee pool you can find people? You know, and is the how's the franchise going to help you? Three is what's the unique selling proposition of the business? How does it stand out to, in the minds and hearts of the consumer? And then four, obviously the unit economics, the financials, then look at the industry financials. You want to look at that. You want to look at five is the business day in the life and, you know, franchisee pool similar to you. And I can go on and on. I mean, you also need a brand that stands out. You need a franchise where there's enough of a leadership team that's well capitalized. There's you know, experience there. You need you know, a good marketing head in a franchise system. You need a good operations head in a franchise system. You need a good, you know, um, there's a lot of things that franchise ors need to have, you know, that's, you know, why it's important to work with a franchise consultant. If you're not, then I, I highly encourage you to, to work with one. But, you know, these are things to think about and um, questions to ask yourself as you explore franchise opportunities. You're f***ing fired. If you want to say those words to your boss, Make sure you head on over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a no-cost consultation. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend who might also want to fire their boss.